0: Podcast One Production. The self interested colleague, it's all about them. I know that I've never been terribly interested in being on the team of, or being a colleague of, or having on my team as such.
1: I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, as well as 11 of the top ASX listed companies. And this is Fast Track. Today we look at the five derailers of a career. My guest, Kathy Yunkin, General Manager, Private Wealth, Westpac Group. Today, we're going to talk about the five common derailers of careers, what they are and what to do about them. The excessive self-interest, the lack of self-awareness, the fear of failure, the lack of learning or growth and when you command instead of coach. With me is Cathy and Kathy, you've had an outstanding career. Can I ask you, do you think most of us have a point in our careers where we become derailed?
0: I don't know, Margie, if most of us have a point at which we become derailed as such, but we certainly need to be aware of uh, when there is potential for us to derail ourselves. And indeed, even more broadly, what might be the areas that might derail us? Because more often than not, they may actually be blind spots and uh, we might be blissfully unaware that we're about to go off the tracks, as it were.
1: I like this term blind spots. It's really, it it gives it a a sense that you've got the blinkers on and you can't quite see what's going on on around you, which is exactly what a derailer turns out to be. So if we talk about the first one being excessive self-interest, what do you understand that to be? And why is it a derailer?
0: Well, I guess, of course, anyone in a career sense will have aspirations, um, indeed ambitions, and be setting goals, whether specifically or or even uh, subconsciously, which means that there is something that we're all striving for in terms of those goals. And I guess the question is, what is that driven by? Um, I would imagine everybody has some measure of self-interest and that's probably quite a healthy thing in terms of having a balanced ego and et cetera. But the the self-interested colleague, it's all about them. You know, maybe that works for some people, but I know that I've never been terribly um, interested in uh, being on the team of or being a colleague of, or having on uh, my team as such. It's just not an attractive motivation. What is interesting, however, I think, is that ambition is an important motivator. And I think it is one that can often be seen as being equally unattractive. I, I I tend to disagree with that. Um I think that being ambitious is a motivator, is important. It's all about striving for excellence and getting ahead. But if that ambition is motivated by self-interest, I think that the performance, the um the the objectives, the outcomes, the progression of any particular individual will be derailed simply because people won't like them.
1: <laughs> so also the impact of how this shows up in offices all around, you know, Australia and around the world. Um, it, It shows up when people are not able to take others into consideration, but it's even more than that.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. I think that you can particularly see it in younger, very high potential, talented and developing executives, you know, really top talent, stars of the future who are wrestling within themselves as to how to present um, themselves to others, how to be noticed um, and and how to actually be one of those who does get recognised as, as being on the fast track. And so just even as recently as a, a few weeks ago, I met with a really impressive um, young woman and I actually gave her feedback around uh, self-interest because where I heard uh, her speaking about her um, desire to get ahead, she wanted to understand how she might play a particular situation, which I admired and and I thought was justified as well, um, based on my knowledge of her background and where she was at and her aspirations. It's still nonetheless um, projected in the way that she uh, was speaking to me that there was a um, unmitigated ambition to get ahead and it almost bordered on a sense of entitlement that she should be getting ahead. Mm. And I read into that self-interest. I read into what I saw there was um, someone who had so much going for them, but they ran the risk of derailing themselves uh, in terms of how they might play their context to help them progress if they were to project that self-interest versus learning a little bit more nuanced way to position their ambition and also their self-belief in terms of what they might be able to contribute.
1: I like that story a lot because it illustrates exactly how it made you feel as a leader who was mentoring somebody in that moment when the self-interest seemed to over-index in her ambition.
0: Yes, of course. The flip side of that, though, is that, you know, you can hide yourself under a bushel if if you're not projecting yourself forward, yeah. so it really does come down to to style and just being aware or being able to articulate your what motivates you, what value you think you can bring, and and therefore how you see yourself contributing and and by definition, thereby progressing. But it's not that um, ambition to progress in and of itself that is motivating you.
1: So that leads me perfectly into the second derailer about lack of self-awareness. So with lack of self-awareness, you probably can easily exhibit excessive self-interest and annoy people who are not going to help you along the way and forward. So if we think about the lack of self-awareness and how that might derail our career, have you got any thoughts that or
0: insights on that, Cathy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that it begins with awareness of self-awareness, if that makes sense, because in our early to mid-career phase, you know, it's so much about getting ahead, learning, doing the best, but I think that the importance of self-awareness only becomes greater as you progress and to roles where you are leading teams of people where you're impacting large numbers of people, where they are looking up to you. And so everything that you do, all your actions, all your words are observed and your self-awareness around that is really very critical. Um, I would say that probably self-awareness would in my book be the number one or lack of self-awareness would be the number one derailer. So understanding the impact you're having on those around you, understanding what your strengths are, because so often it's a hackneyed phrase, but a strength overused becomes a weakness. And so, understanding your strengths, understanding how you might overplay them, and such that they do become a weakness, understanding your gaps and calling them out, and being okay, and getting people around you who can help you plug those gaps, so that as a team you're you're delivering as 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 best you can. All of that, all of those decisions. Uh, Come about from self awareness. Uh, The other thing, though, that strikes me that you know, I I I just continually fascinates me is how much you can continue to learn about yourself. You know, there is no point in time, or there uh, in in my experience anyway. Um, I've certainly uh, not found that I've suddenly got to a point and now I'm self aware (laughs) and now uh, I can be anything I want to be. You know, your your context is constantly changing um, and. And I certainly find that I'm learning things about, new things about myself every day. Growing self-awareness on as a daily activity, I think, is essential. It's mm. a great
1: message. Um, we talk about fear of failure. Now, there's a lot of books out there that say gain your courage or, you know, fail. There are people quoting to me the Michael, Michael Jordan. Yes, quotes. I was just about to say <laughs> people quote me Michael Jordan all the time. You know. um, why is it a derailer? Why is fearing failure a derailer?
0: I think it plays into the the one we've got fourth on the list, uh, learning or the importance of learning. Are they linked um, together? I think they are very much linked because you learn so much from your failures. And again, in the career context, so many of us are achievement-oriented and very much motivated by that. And so by the same token, we are demotivated by failure. And of course, we're all fearful of failure. Who would not prefer to succeed than to to fail. But that's just not reality, is it? You know, we can't always succeed. And, um, you know, the extent to which we fail is probably something that we define for ourselves when we look at any particular um, context in which we think we may have failed. But when we suffer a failure or a setback, and I've had a couple of major setbacks in my career, I'll, I'll, I have no problem um, stating that, but wow, have I learned from those and moved on to grow and progress. Probably, in fact, I'd go so far to say is absolutely um, more than I might have ever imagined and indeed expected had I tracked out my um, uh, success trajectory back at that point before that failure or setback. Yeah.
1: So there, that's a really vital point about fearing the unknown and the big failure. They're actually the things that make us mm. um, and that's, that's terrific. What about the little things like... Being so nervous that you take hours to write an email or send it around to 20 people just to check that you've got the right wording,
0: those sort of things. Is that—is that a fear of failure in your eyes? Possibly, but let, let me tell you another way that I think about that sort of um, situation because one of, one of the um, areas that I talk to quite a lot is not so much uh, that failure piece as perfectionism.
1: Okay, talk to me about perfectionism because I, I do think these are probably linked as well, fear of failure and playing into perfectionism. Yeah, quite What's possibly. your view?
0: Well, of course, when we're very achievement-oriented and striving for excellence, we can seek to deliver perfection because we want to outperform. We want to be as good as we possibly can. So we will strive to do whatever we're doing, deliver whatever piece of work we are working on, whatever it, the situation may be in its most perfect. Uh, so why
1: is form. that a derailer? Because, Wouldn't that be what we
0: we're all questing to do? Correct. But perhaps it goes back to my comment about an overused strength becoming a weakness. I had a boss who was fantastic, by the way, who said to me, Kathy, you have to deal with your perfectionism. And I sort of thought, wow, really? Why is that? I mean, isn't that part of what drives the quality of my work. And his feedback was, no, 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 actually, I think you waste a lot of time because your 95% or even 90% is great quality work. And the time that you would spend looping and perfecting to get that final sign off that you're giving your own work effectively is just not productive. Find a way to let go of that perfectionism for that last 5% and you will become a much more uh, effective, impactful, and probably more relaxed contributor. And so I listened to that. I took on board that feedback. And of course, as you progress in terms of seniority, you're making quick um, decisions. You're working in extreme ambiguity. There is no such thing as uh, as a perfect decision-making environment. And so you must actually be very comfortable uh, letting go And so I actually think that, you know, we do need to let go of perfectionism and perhaps break the nexus between any assumption that perfectionism equals excellence.
1: So let's jump into the idea of learning. When we have the mindset that there's nothing else to learn, I think that's a massive Derailer, because I think you miss out on so much that's out there. Mm. What's your view about this? You've linked it to failure, but what's your idea of
0: constant learning? I actually also think about learning as such a motivator. Um, I mean, learning, learning's fun. <laughs> learning's amazing, and uh, you know, there's 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 so much to learn. And I know that you know we will all go out in the long term with still the opportunity to learn. But in the context of of not having that appetite, if not craving to learn, the the extent to which that might be a derailer. I mean, I think it's as simple as nothing stands still. And the world around us is shifting faster than it ever has been. Um, And it's probably moving and changing as slowly as it ever will from here on in. That just means that we have to be on our toes and always learning and looking out for ways to draw on the experiences and and knowledge of others. And and not being scared. And not fearing. Yeah, absolutely. So these are all tied in really neatly together in my
1: view. Often in my career, I'm teaching leaders how to be coaches. And I think this is an essential part of leadership, the ability to engage with people in quality conversations. Dare I say, Margie, I think you might've helped me with that (laughs) along the way. Well, I'm glad (laughs) and it's my pleasure because I'm absolutely passionate about it. I have to be careful not to be evangelical about coaching and coaching psychology use across a person's life. But as far as a career goes and as far as the ability to lead and engage others, um, the the last derailer we've got here is if we command or if we tell rather than coach. In your experience, why would this be a derailer? I'd love to hear from what we've talked about in the past. You know, this one is
0: almost such a universal truth. I'm, I'm not sure that it's it's even debatable, though I do understand that in certain institutions and, and structures, you know, and of course the military is, a, is a, a classic kind of example where command and control in certain contexts is required. But um, commanding is telling. Commanding is telling people what to do. I personally know that I've never liked being told what to do (laughs) and that I certainly respond to being coached around how I might deliver the strongest performance, the strongest team contribution, have the highest impact, deliver the most value. I think that it's all about understanding what motivates you, what motivates your people and being able to bring out the best because I I truly believe that uh, nobody knows all the answers. And a command approach assumes that the leader knows best. And I sincerely believe that in terms of successful leadership, that any leader will be most successful when they are synthesising the knowledge, experience, potential, capability of all of those around them Uh, certainly making the calls, certainly making the ultimate decisions having listened, but in terms of best performance, best decisions, best experience for everybody on your team, the sense of contribution and shared success and shared progress and performance will not only get the, the better result, but also mean that everybody shares in that sense of of success and the results and have contributed. So back to what I said before, command, a command approach assumes that the leader knows best. So we've run through five derailers. I'm really interested. You've had an
1: illustrious career, Cathy, for the last 30 years in finance and banking. You were one of the most highly rated females in your field in in business. What have you seen around you that might be other derailers that you can help us with?
0: Two things I'd throw out there, Margie. The first is around um confidence in public speaking. I think that it's one of those things that just derails so many people that and it used to derail me, frankly. I mean, you, the archetype everyone's nervous about public speaking sort of thing, but actually once you master that, it is so much fun. It is so empowering and it is so impactful. And, and I use the, when I refer to public speaking, not just in terms of being able to stand up in front of a theatre town hall and, and speak to a large group of people, but even uh, sometimes you might be in a uh, client context or in any sort of smaller forum context where you have to speak on your feet and in a, in front of an important audience, that is your moment. It is it is actually a skill, and I would really um, and and it is something that will either hold people back and therefore derail them because because they won't put themselves out there, or it will just be something that they don't do as effectively as as might be able to. So I would encourage everyone to practice public speaking, take opportunities, have yourself filmed so you can watch yourself. And um, I, I have found that since I've developed my confidence in both public speaking and speaking on my feet on the run, that I've become a much clearer communicator, which would have been my second one, crisp, clear communication. Do you want to expand on the crisp communication, Boris? <laughs> I'm going to do it. Well, a then little... I mightn't be very crisp.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's essential to have those two skills, to present
0: powerfully and to be a crisp communicator. And if you don't, it's a derailer correct and and to everything we've been talking about self-awareness listening to ourselves taking on feedback and learning and and putting that learning back into actual practice is is never a waste of time but with communication again that's something that along the years I've had uh feedback on because I am naturally a chatty expressive people person and getting very crisp and clear around the way that you are communicating in any context is is really very important. And then there's the old chestnut of knowing your audience um, and speaking to your audience. I'd say that another derailer is when you have the same narrative for all of your different audiences and clearly in a, certainly in a corporate context, uh, speaking to um, your own team versus speaking to the CEO is a very different audience and and so being very clear about your key messages and then the context you wrap around them and whether that's required or not, the sort of detail you go into, how how crisp you are, how economical with time you need to be is really, really important and I do see people not permanently derail themselves but certainly uh, not have the impact they might like to by uh, not having really tuned into their different audience and the importance of getting the, the tone, the tempo and the length of the communication right. I love how these all tie together because if you've got excessive self-interest and you're
1: not self-aware and you're fearing failure, you're not going to communicate effectively or present powerfully. So today it's been really great to talk to you, Kathy, to really hear your take on derailers within a career. I'm sure we could come up with a list of 20, 40, 50 other things to watch out for. But really importantly, excessive self-interest, lack of self-awareness, fear of failure and perfectionism, forgetting to come in learn and be curious. And this idea of commanding instead of coaching. And lastly, presenting powerfully. If you don't do that, then you may as well pack up and go home. Thank you so much. And remember, make good choices and check your blind spots.
0: Fast Track is produced in the studios of Podcast One Australia. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the app or search Fast Track Career Conversations podcast.